because I'm reading this, I'm not saying this, I'm reading it. The show is absurd, highly physical and and begs to excite audiences. It's beyond circus, incorporating acrobatics, dance and even roller skating. Stranded in a faraway place, alienation tells the story of friends in a sticky situation. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. Mm. But uh, Jake is um, here to talk about his new work, which is Alienation, and I think that's going to be quite exciting. We'll chat to him after five today. Wonderful. Mm. Looking forward to hearing all about that. That's very good. And then we are going to be speaking with Vincent Alessi, and Vincent is the director of a team at the Linden Studios. Um, he has worked as a director and a senior curator within public cultural institutions, and he's cre- curated lots of exhibitions internationally and nationally. And he's going to be talking with us about uh, his latest exhibition. Oh, wow. So it's all arts today, which is exciting. Very so arty. someone in more the physical arts. Yes. And, and one, well, physical and visual art, really both of them are in that space, but both very different. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, that's right. And of course, because of this, uh, the focus for Vincent, it's about the design fringe. So it's Melbourne's avant-garde art, yes. furniture and design exhibition. So, and so the food festival. To, yeah, and food festival yeah, as well. So the, the Linden art um, is transformed for the exhibition. It's called Speculation. And uh, of course, Vincent will be able to talk to us about that as well. So yeah, very arty. Sure. Looking forward to that. Me too. I know. Yeah. And uh, just uh, as an aside, the uh-huh. guru on arts and entertainment, uh, Ms. Barbara O'Sullivan, is yes. gallivanting overseas. But just a shout out if she's listening in. How are you, Barb? Hope you're enjoying your trip away. We miss you. We're very jelly about the trip. But uh, looking forward to hearing all of her travel tips when oh. she's in next, hopefully next week. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I I honestly cannot wait to see Barbara and hear about her wonderful trip because we know she's sent us little updates of where she's been going and one of all the wonderful things she's been seeing. So uh, I think she's had a great time. So Barb will be back with us next week. Now you know that we've got a um, a new head on the coins taking over from. Queen Elizabeth. Oh. And we've now got Charles the Third. The head presenting of King himself. Charles the Third. <laughs> so I haven't seen those as I haven't yet, seen them either. But uh, I haven't seen any money lately. I haven't either. seen any <laughs> money, see at money all. much. In fact, my, my son picked up a gold coin and said, Oh, is this yours, Mum? And I'm like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. No decision, just yes. Um, <laughs> pick those up. Yeah. Uh, he goes, oh, it was in your room. I said, fine, Thank it must you. be mine. Yes. Of course it was and mine. I, I hadn't, hadn't seen a coin or a note for a very long no. time. Uh, the wallet, you know, would have the moths flying out really at the moment. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, shovel had a little quirky uh, thing to say about this uh, new print that's coming out. Uh, and it's titled King Charles to feature on shopping trolley tokens. <laughs> 
That is the heading. Um, the round pieces of metal that are used to unlock trolleys at Woolies and Coles will feature the face of King Charles III, it has been revealed. It is unclear why the Mint thought it necessary to update the tokens, which don't really have any other use, unless you get four or five hundred together, in which case you may be able to trade them for a capsicum. Um, I think it shows how we feel about Charles, one shopper said. In Britain, they place his face on the commemorative plates and framed portraits. Here we stuff it onto old trolleys so we can do the weekly shop. The coins will be distributed randomly behind couches and underneath the car seats over the coming months. So I might find one on the floor like my son did. Oh, fabulous. (laughs) Or, you know, in the pocket of a pair of jeans when you're about to put it in the wash or something like that. That's right. That's right. Obviously indicating that the cost of living is also very high and that a coin won't really get you very far won't get you very far either Mm. and uh, so watch out for those coins don't stand on King Charles's head no No. and he's also facing the other direction I didn't realise that the Queen faces one direction and King Charles faces the other direction is that that some sort of protocol that's a thing I don't know it's a thing but I don't know the thing who comes up with this stuff Let us know if you know. People have conversation Facebook page. Yes, Um, there's a lot of protocols. I think there's something about, yes, I actually don't know, looking over this shoulder versus this shoulder. (laughs) I think I've heard something around that. I might be able to look it up between Mm. sessions. But, yes, um, don't forget that we do have our wonderful Facebook page, Big Life Convo, on um, uh, Facebook, and you can check out our uh, recordings, our podcasts of the show if you miss them uh, weekly and or don't can't get to the time slot and you can also drop us a line tell us what you'd like to hear on the show or who you'd like us to interview or just your feedback would be wonderful lovely we would love that and speaking of our facebook page i was having a little look today and came across another thing that people could scroll through and find inspiration on and that's all the recipes that you post nicole Mm. now there's a beautiful picture of a green ginger Mm. juice on there right now there Mm -mm. is a nice healthy one it's a way to get some of that good immune boosting nutrients into you whilst we've got this transition season where we can have really nice days and we strip off all our clothes and we go outside and then it's freezing the next day so the body's immune system gets a bit of a workout when that happens in windy days and also lots more pollen in the air and spring's kind of allergy season so anything with ginger in it's going to be nice and supportive and getting some of those fresh veggies green veggies um into your diet yeah. as well super super important yeah. and they're all delicious so why wouldn't you do it exactly. um you've inspired me a little bit with talking about the soundtrack of season four of sex education and i'm going to play some of the songs i've got them up i've got awesome. a few there we'll select uh just to add to our playlist today and we'll kick off with that 20 minutes past four if you are thinking, what is this series? It's an amazing series. It's wonderful. It it's on Netflix, uh, if you're ladies. interested. Yes. The, the title doesn't really give it away. It's, it's no. a lot about life and wonderful teenagers. If you've got teenagers in your life, mm, very good one to watch. It is I a good think. one. Very educational. Very educational. And with that, <laughs> we're going to play a track. This one's called Take Care of Business. 94.1 FM, 3 WBC, Big Life Conversation. Big Life Conversation, back with you at 23 minutes past four. Very shortly, we will have our first guest uh, today. We're all things arts today on the show, and we are going to be speaking with Vincent Alessi uh, very shortly. Now, Nicole, you were 
Talking about the shovel, our favourite satirical website, a moment ago, I'm going to raise you one and uh, share something that took my eye today. And Mm -hmm. it's it's actually a really interesting one because the shovel even stated in this article that it's like, this is not even a joke. Like, they act, this person actually said this, and it's true. <laughs> this one's a very interesting one. I love it. The Oxford-educated billionaire emails staff from private yacht telling them to keep fighting elites. Who is it? What? Taking a break from his 6,500 square metre foot or foot whatever Central Park penthouse to spend some time down on his $150 million yacht, a newly retired billionaire has emailed his staff reminding them to keep holding elites to account. Elites have open contempt for those who are not members of their rarefied class. In brackets, brackets, the shovel says, he actually wrote this (laughs) in an email where he advised he was installing his son as successor to his empire. Most of the media is in cahoots with those elites. He continued briefly, forgetting that he is the literal beeping media, the man who inherited a newspaper group at the age of 21, then briefly paused to take calls from world leaders congratulating him on his career before reminding his staff to never stop fighting against the privileged group of powerful individuals running the world. A little mm. bit of succession happening <laughs> a little, there. A little, a little bit, bit of, of real life. Yeah, um, real life. Very succession. interesting, though. This this is exactly what the, uh, Rupert Murdoch said. You know, mm. keep fighting the elites. Yes. What's, What's that all <laughs> going on? Interesting. What is that going on? Uh, go the shovel. I think they were absolutely totally bamboozled by that one. It's a little bit. Uh, um, I mean, they're, they've got lots of food for thought, <laughs> lots, of, they really, lots of fodder, really, really um, to go with politics. And they, we, we thought it got quiet there for a little while, but no, no. just keeps rolling, doesn't it? Just keeps it? rolling on. <laughs> it's very entertaining, Nicole. It is very Don't entertaining. Don't we love it? We, we do like having a little bit of a laugh about that as well. Yeah, we do. Hey, speaking of which, it might be a little bit soon. Too soon? For a joke. Oh, no. Never. (laughs) I haven't even got one yet, so you go. I found a a more sort of child-friendly. I was just running against a little bit of a a wall trying to find clean jokes that could be told on air. It can be challenging. And I also tried to find some nutrition jokes and Mm. there was too much fat shaming going on there. Don't like that. No, I don't like that as well. So um, this one's more of a a little shout-out to my brother who has been very unwell recently with pneumonia which is making oh. a bit of a rise at the moment um so you know goodbye covid but there's all these other lung and infections going around anyway this is um why did the cookie go to hospital because he felt crummy oh there you go just a cutie there <laughs> i like um, that one <laughs> what did one toilet say to the other toilet don't know you look flushed oh of course <laughs> Uh, what do you call a fish with no eyes? I don't know. Fish. Fish. <laughs> Stop. I know. That so is so good. 
I like little kitty friendly ones for you out there. Very, very lovely indeed. Now and get better soon. That is, yeah, get better soon. If, mm. I, I know a few people actually suffering for, from some respiratory infections and a bit of flu and all sorts of things at the moment. And you mentioned before about the in-betweeny sort of seasons mm. as well. And I think that that's playing a little bit of a part in that as well. So uh, I'm just going to make a nice little segue. A, a very short uh, article that I was reading, but it's in the health space mm. today. Um, it's about... The government now providing or about to be providing free shingles vaccines, and this will be very important for it's been quite expensive so many for people, people to get that vaccine. It's ver- for they're a while. very expensive. Yes. Um, so almost apparently five million older and immune immunocompromised Australians will be able to access a free vaccine to prevent shingles from next month. So this is from the federal government. They're spending um, over eight. $100 million over the next four years on this, and it will be available from the 1st of November. Uh, very, very important. Uh, under it's the national the scheme, now it's for Australians aged 65 years and older at wow. this stage, okay. and First Nations people aged over 50, and immunocompromised people over 18. Um, now, we know if you... Well, even if you know about it, not necessarily even if you have experienced it, I have had a bout of shingles at a very stressful time in my life. That's when it sort of appeared. It, oh, it is awful. Very it is painful. horrible. My... And you get, you still get, I've still got the nerve damage yes. from it. It doesn't go yes. away. No, yeah. it can be very long lasting. Yep. And um, my mother had it last year at yes. the end of last year and we think, there may have been reasons why she had complications over Christmas uh, because of a fairly significant bout of shingles. Hers was on her lower back and her leg and her foot isn't doesn't have the same nerve uh, no. response and and this is almost you know a year later. So yes. it is significant. And the other thing was that she doesn't recall having had chickenpox either. So even though you're supposed to have latently had something like that, we all had chicken pox, so mum possibly was exposed and didn't actually have perhaps signs and symptoms or just soldiered on and didn't know. Uh, But uh, she definitely had shingles and um, it's taken a long time and it is very, very painful. I haven't experienced it, but I hear lots of comments from clients that have had it and also clients that are going to get the uh, vaccine. Yes. So So when to hear that. It it is, but it's, it's not for, you know, it's, it's those, it's restricted to those age groups and, and categories at the moment. But um, w- when I had it, my GP said you can you can get the vaccine, but it was $250. Yes, yes, it's quite expensive. It's like $250, okay. Yeah. No rebate, that's it. No. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's good that at least for some age groups and categories that that's been relaxed now. And, um, yeah, it's oh, horrible, horrible condition to get. Mm, yuck, not good. No, no, I don't wish that upon anybody. And not um, at all. a colleague at my work, not in the same state, but has also had it recently and just 
persisted to sort of run lectures and things, but, you know, just said that the pain, the pain is excruciating. It's just, you know, dealing with, you know, stabbing pain constantly. Yeah, absolutely. And not just for a couple of weeks. No, no, that's the thing. It goes on for a long, long time and and you don't know how long it will be. And depending where it's located as well. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, on to nicer things. We're going to have uh, another nice track, but but, um, when we come back, we're going to be speaking to our first guest. So stay with us. Jacinta and Nicole with you. Big life conversation right through till 6 o'clock. It's 4.30 at the moment. Certainly hope that got you up and dancing. Kelly Marie there with Feels Like I'm In Love. Another great track from the soundtrack of Sex Education. Jacinta and Nicole back with you. 25 minutes to 5 here on Big Life Conversation. And uh, we welcome to the show, our very first guest for today. Uh, welcome to the program, Vincent Alessi. Vincent, hi. How are you? Very How well, you? thank you. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Uh, we're really looking forward to having a chat with you today. You are the, and you will know this, um, but I'm just going to say it for our listeners, <laughs> you're the CEO and director of the team at Linden New Art, and you also are the partner uh, for the Melbourne Fringe Avant-Garde Art, Furniture and Design Exhibition. So we're going to have a little chat to you about all of that. Um, first of all, tell us a little bit, bit about you and your business. Um, so Linden New Art is, um, well, we've been around for a long time. We're almost up to our 40th year in our home at Ackland Street in St Kilda. Um, so it's a, an institution that uh, has been around for a long time supporting uh, mainly contemporary art and uh, emergent practices. Uh, and in the last few years, we've um, become partners with um, Melbourne Fringe to deliver design fringe. And of course, it very much fits our ethos of um, experimental uh, and contemporary practice, just that it's um, we're moving from visual arts to design and of course those um, categories are becoming more and more blurred as we um, as we progress very interesting um, some of the designs that you have can you tell us a little bit about what people could expect obviously it's as you say it, it can be quite experimental in terms of what we might see uh, and designs and that'd be really interesting obviously very creative what can people expect to see so um, it, it has grown out of so design Fringe has grown out of the old um, fringe furniture exhibitions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we're taking a very, very broad view of design. But of course, people will see a lot of furniture, so a lot of chairs, a lot of stools, some tables, um, but also objects, everything from ceramic vases through to jewellery, uh, 3D printing. Um, so uh, we, we've really opened it up to be more than just furniture, although that's, um, you know, 50% of the show is furniture. Um, but it's also framed around uh, an idea this year around um, speculative design. So the, the actual uh, exhibition itself is called Speculation, 8 Billion Little Utopias. And what we've really, really asked designers to respond to is um, to speculate how design might play a role in thinking about our futures. And I use the word... Uh, futures plural on purpose because I think we there are a lot of futures that we need to engage with. So um, you'll see everything, as I said, from furniture through to one um, uh, designer who um, all you will see is an empty plinth and uh, that designer, Caspian K, is 
very much asking the question, um, maybe we just, do we have enough objects? Do we need any more objects? Mm. Uh, through to another fantastic interactive work where you, you stand in front of a, a motion caption camera and by moving around, waving your arms and dancing, you um, can actually create your own piece of furniture. So um, that's a work that's sort of speculating, I suppose, on the, on the way we might approach um, designing and making objects into the future. Mm, that all sounds really interesting. It's Nicole here. I um, haven't uh, been along to the the festival, so I'm looking forward to to going and you know expanding my mind in that little space. But I love that first one that you're mentioning there. Do we need any more objects? <laughs> uh, yeah. Because I think we're very much that that materialistic society. We're gathering, 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 and at what cost? So I imagine that might play into that kind of theme with the design as well. Yeah, that's been a. a um that, that's been one of the overwhelming responses in this year's um, design fringe is, um, you know, the idea of circular economies. So can we reuse not only um, other materials that are destined for landfill, for instance, but can we actually um, reuse existing objects to recreate an object of the same type? So um, there's some really wonderful pieces of furniture that are made from offcuts of other pieces of furniture, mm. so um, so I think there's a, a we're now living uh, in a state where I think we are all very very cognizant now of the impacts of climate change, um, and that we live in a, in a world that um, has only has finite materials, and so we need to um, really think about how we can continue to live the kind of lifestyles we lead, but not. Um, replicating the kind of consumption logics that we've had in the past. So um, so there's some really great objects, I said, that are prototypes for the way we might think about recycling. Um, but there's also other objects which, in and of themselves, is a really beautiful stool made out of eucalyptus bark. And in and of itself, if you were to sit on that stool, it would simply collapse because it's structurally not robust enough to be a stool. But it's, again, asking the question... Um, the, 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 the designer made it out of the bark using um, plywood techniques of how you heat and bend plywood. Yes. Um, but what's really interesting about that object is that the designer talks about waiting for the tree to give you the bark. So mm -hmm. it's actually engaging with nature and, and waiting for nature to allow us to actually use its material for us. So um, all those kind of things uh, are a way of not only imagining what our futures might look like, but I think they also point and ask really relevant questions about, okay, well, what, what would it look like if we lived in a world like this? And it is possible. Here's a prototype, but let's actually explore this. Let's go down this rabbit hole and see what happens. Mm, and I love that setting off the the ideas and thought processes in people and expanding their minds um, to think about some of those futures and, uh, you know, what they are. What is possible there? I know that from a fringe perspective, um, artists have been wonderful in using lots of, you know, already made goods and already made materials and, and the reuse has always been quite wonderful from, from that perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I said, well, I think we're... As a, as a society, we're more cognizant now of the need to adapt at large scale the you know the, the sort of circular economy logics because it is the only way forward for us. Yeah. Interesting, Vincent, as well. I guess when you when I think of the traditional furniture sort of 
um, expo uh, where people are going, oh, we need a, a lounge suite, we need tables and chairs, <laughs> all very functional. And this is just blows your mind in terms of what the experimental nature of this and what it is perhaps seeking from the people that are observing it and enjoying that. So I think it, it puts a whole new spin on furniture. It does, because, you know, there's everything from asking the questions about how we make furniture and how we can uh, reuse materials. But one of the really pleasing things is, as part of our provocation, was I said, to ask designers to think about design as a way to engage with how we might reimagine the way we live into the future. Mm-hmm. And so part of that is actually engaging with some of the issues we confront today. And there's a really great piece of furniture in the show, which is a, a suitcase which when you open it up turns into a, a lounge chair and it's addressing the current issue we have around the housing crisis mm, that, yeah, you know, wow. there's a lot of people in that community now that have to count surf or, you yes. know, live with friends for a period of time and are becoming transitory. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this is, again, it's a, it's, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek that, you you know, you've got your suitcase, you open it up and you've got, a, you know, you've got mm. somewhere to sit, place you drink. But I think it's a really great provocation for our audience to think about this This is actually the way some people are living at the moment and here's a sort of a solution, but it's not really a solution. It's actually pointing and, and bringing to light a really major issue that we need to discuss. So, um, so you know, there'll be, you know, like I do every day when I walk through the exhibition, there's some pieces of furniture where I go, oh, they're so beautiful, I'd love to have that in my house or, yes. you know, lamps that are quite beautiful. But then you come across these other things which are, actually getting you to stop to think about a, a bigger issue and that's one of the really um, exciting parts for us is as an organisation that wants to be engaged in these conversations that you know through objects we can get people to think about these things. Yeah I love it and it's it sort of makes me think about things like the the tiny houses <laughs> that are kind of making a yeah. bigger presence now where people are crafting these things and saying, well, you can actually live in really small spaces and we don't need to, to consume yeah, so no, much ex- as well. exactly right. And, um, you know, years ago we probably just thought it would have been a, you know, a little prototype. But, but it is, um, and this is why I said, I, you know, both the title of the exhibition is, you know, 8 billion little utopias, plural, and I talk about <laughs> um, futures in plural, is because things like, say, small houses, they are, they are one solution it's not the only solution but we need to live in a world where we accept multiple solutions because mm. i think the problems we face are quite monumental yes yeah, they certainly yes. are now vincent to visit um this design exhibition can you tell us where it is and uh how you know where um when's it on yep so it's at linda new art which is in 26 ackland street in st kilda yeah. and it's on until the 26th of november and the gallery is open Tuesdays to Sundays from 11 till 4. Lovely. Excellent. That would be a wonderful one to get along and check out and have an open and curious mind and see what you can find there. As you say, everything from pieces that you think, oh, they would be lovely in my home, to the experimental stuff that makes you think a little more differently, perhaps, um, which is is excellent. So it's called Speculation, 8 Billion Little Utopias, I should Mm. say. Um, Now, you mentioned the suitcase being one of your favourite pieces. Anything else that that is really quite striking that you'd like to mention for people to see there? Look, there is one work which I love for its humour. The work is called Cheeky, and it's a little stool 
which is effectively an inverted bottom, <laughs> um, which is which is really great and it's amazingly <laughs> comfortable. We're not, we don't encourage our audience to sit on it because mm-hmm. obviously it's a one-off. That yeah. the designer allowed me to sit on it, and it's amazingly comfortable. But it has a lovely sense of humour because sometimes I do think we take ourselves too seriously. So that's yeah. one of them. But the other one I really love is Caspian Cans work, which is as I said, there is no object there; yeah. it's just a plinth. Yes. I just love it for its response to our brief about. You know, asking questions rather than um, merely providing us with solutions. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking. I'm a nutritionist, Vincent. So I was thinking when you said cheeky and it's it's a stool. I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking you something to sit on that might look like something that comes out of the bottom. But um, there you go. Well, you know, thank you for sharing that, Nicole. That's fabulous. <laughs> recycling. There can be all sorts of things and waste yeah. food. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of some study I did on. Uh, it was it was about. Um, looking into the future and on the future from an education perspective, not from a furniture perspective and, and just all those scenario thinking that you can do around possible futures and um, what better way to think about that than through art. So um, yeah. I love that idea. So Definitely. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. It sounds wonderful. Now, Vincent, you also mentioned that there are other pieces there such as ceramic vases you mentioned and jewellery, which is um one of my favourite <laughs> things. Oh my gosh, I can hardly ever resist a nice piece of jewellery. Um, so, are there things for sale? Uh, everything um, is pretty much for sale. There are a few objects Ooh. where the the artists, uh, the designers, have not made them available, and, and for numerous yeah. reasons, whether that's because they're still prototypes or yeah, sure. um, they're quite precious. But yeah, everything is on uh, is available for sale. And if you um, if you wanted to look at what was available, you can actually visit um, our website, which is lindenarts.org, and there's a link through to um, the objects and their prices. You can buy them online, or, of course, we would love people to come in and have a look at them as well. Absolutely. There's nothing like actually viewing them for yourself. But that is a great start for people. lindenarts.org, the website. We'll put that on our Facebook page as well. Uh, a nice way to check things out before you go and visit. Um, before we let you go, Vincent, I am very interested also, like in, in terms of your career history, we we hear that you're also a very active art historian. Um, I am, and yes. so well, I wouldn't say active anymore. Not, not active anymore. <laughs> Passive. Passive. <laughs> yes, art historian. Excellent. So what what was your favourite thing about being an active art historian? Oh, look, it's... Um, I, 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 I'm one of those lucky people that um, left high school and did a whole of other sort of boring, mundane jobs and until I founded what I wanted to do and I'd always um, had a real passion for art but I knew I didn't want to be an artist. Mm. Uh, and I went back and studied art history and um, uh, ended up doing my PhD on one of my favourite artists, which is Vincent Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and so the, you know, the, um, the luxury, I suppose, um, of just being able to spend years and years and years studying and looking at the work of someone you really love yeah. um, was really beneficial. And I, I, I jokingly say, you know, I, a passive artist, and I do actually have... Um, <laughs> projects that are that are sort of you know some that are at quite early stages another project that's a little bit more advanced um and you know i will eventually get to those but um, Lyndon is um i've only been there for 12 months and that is taking up most of my time but once um i bed things down my, my plan is to you know when i find some time to keep going at those projects because it's um 
yeah, look, I'm very fortunate that I, uh, you know, I can, you know, research and read about someone's work that I really admire. And now the great thing about working on people like Van Gogh is that they're dead so they can't really dispute it which <laughs> is really great it's the easiest way isn't it oh, there's a finite catalogue there <laughs> yeah. absolutely Vincent that's fantastic thank you so much for chatting with us it's been lovely to hear about this exhibition and it sounds fascinating and we encourage everyone to get along to the Linden New Art in St Kilda for the exhibition we will put all and have got already some of the details on our Facebook page Big Life conversation and uh, we wish you all the best with the exhibition thanks for joining us thanks Vincent thank you very much take care thank you bye Coming up to five minutes to five, Big Life Conversation. A big thank you to Vincent Alessi from the New Linden Art um, Gallery in St Kilda talking about a wonderful exhibition coming up, the Melbourne Fringe Furniture and Design Exhibition. And we have put the details on our Facebook page. Um, in terms of music, we were just listening to the Rubenews. Rubenews? Rubenews. Something like that. I think we're alone now. I actually think we're alone. Oh, yeah. We in the studio, we, we are. are. Yeah, we are. exactly. Um, you've got something interesting to share with us, though. Uh, I do. It has come around this year again that um, Nutrition Australia are promoting one of their most important messages, which is try for five. Um, and, you know, it's life is complicated enough, so let's keep it simple. Try for five. Their theme is every day, just try for a little more veg. And the I idea like is to get your two fruit and five veg, in particular, just the five veg, uh, every day. So getting your serves, and a serve can be varied, but just an additional veg a day will help. Every veg counts. Um, if you go to their site, tryfor5.org.au, um, the National Nutrition Week is the 15th to the 21st of October. And there's lots of little themes and ideas for schools and education facilities and your very selves uh, to come up with some ideas and also give you some ideas on different ways that you can get uh, some very reasonably priced additional veggies into your diet. Veggies aren't that expensive when compared and certain veggies are a little bit more cheaper than others. So you might want to think about what's uh, another veg you could get into your diet that um, might not break the bank and seasonal veg is usually the way to go with that one. I was about to mention that, that you know, shop seasonally if you can. And in our family, we're talking about doing more of the visiting farmers markets as well, which Absolutely is a great idea. Beautiful place yeah. to get your your veggies at the moment. Mm. I think you know, shopping smarter and um, finding those ways to get good quality foods and particularly veggies. Um, looking for the the place or the markets that might have the imperfect veggies. Oh, you know, yeah. not, I love those. Not just the beautiful straight carrot, yeah. but the, I'm the purple imper- one. I'm perfectly imperfect. Yes, yeah. the purple one. And as we saw in the uh, blue zones, they eat lots of purple in the Japanese town. They do. Okinawa, they had the purple sweet potato. Yes. And the homegrown ones aren't perfect in shape or size. But you can get some imperfect veg in some of our supermarkets, our bigger chain supermarkets now, and they're a little bit cheaper just because they're shaped a little bit different or maybe their colours a little bit different. They still make beautiful soups. They still make beautiful eating. Um, That's right. So always a good way to shop, a little bit smarter there. So seasonal 
normal and anything that might just be that little bit imperfect. Farmers markets are a beautiful way. Yeah, exactly. And making sure that you can wash them with some vinegar if you're not sure of where they've come from as well. And all us beautiful humans are shaped differently. We are shaped differently. It just doesn't mean that we have to... Um, you know, go down that pathway of just going with what we think is attractive to the no. eye. We do eat with our eyes. We do. But we also are educated and we know that a veg is a veg. doesn't matter what shape it is. Yeah. Uh, just like a human is a human. I think it's been an interesting marketing trick that's been played on us all in terms of the large um, organisations and supermarkets to – they've trained us to look for the perfect – vegetable like it's got to look perfect and it's not true at all and if you you know if you've lived in the country as I have as a child and my dad had a a garden a veggie garden out the back with just everything in it and it was just amazing but we never you know they were all fantastic there was no pesticides or anything um and and very organic veg but they were the shapes that they were yeah we just loved it so it's a bit different nowadays I think Um, some wonderful you know and I'll put this on our Facebook page when when we've actually finished some really bang for your buck veggie meals so using something like a sweet potato scooping it out getting some beans in there which is great for fiber but also loading that up um, with things like broccoli and uh, tomato, um, really nice sort of combinations with some spices and very, very reasonably priced meal to do. So Absolutely. Um, I'll do that later. Yeah, and tasty and delicious, similarly with um, capsicums. We did that the other night at home. Roasted capsicum. Roasted. Absolutely. The red capsicums, they can get expensive, but yeah. seasonally they're a little seasonally bit better. Seasonally they're a bit better. Uh, but greens are yummy. a little bit cheaper. Yeah. But um, absolutely you can stuff those with rice and yes, beans. Yes, that's what we did. Gorgeous. Um, and you're getting a veggie. And they're also wonderful when you just cut them in quarters with chicken <gasps> and a bit of harissa on the chicken um, with some sliced onions. Just whack it all in the oven. Delicious. And it's one of the favourite meals in our house. You can yeah. serve that with rice if you wanted to or just on its own. Yeah. Very, very simple and very yum. What did you do with your capsicums? Um, well, the the other person in our house, and she knows who she is, very, very excellent, um, I'd say, home chef. And she uh, – we had it with rice and beans and um, some, some seasoning. I can't remember exactly what it was. And just stuffed them back into the capsicums, baked it. It was absolutely delicious. Yeah, and the other thing that's out and about at the moment is um, asparagus. So actually the fresh asparagus is is in season. That with some eggs um, is just an easy veggie, um, you know, dish. And asparagus is rich in fibre, folate, vitamin K, um, has what's called asparapatine. Sounds uh, interesting. Which is, helps improve the blood flow and um, lower blood pressure as well. Okay. So you can get an asparagus frittata happening. Yeah. Which is a nice way. It's a lovely. Asparagus risotto with some parmesan. Mm. Uh, just to name a few things. That, you that's do asparagus. Right. And just the final thing I'd mentioned about that when you were talking about uh, schools and uh, lunch boxes and things, the one good thing that those free magazines, I know they're full of advertising, but they do have some great recipes in them for school lunches if you've got kids at school it is i remember back in the day how hard it was to try and get creative and stay healthy with making the kids lunches but the supermarket um brochures that come out those free recipes and things they do have some really good things they for do. um and and just just the way they photograph them and how they have them displayed in the lunch boxes is really inspiring yes. as well so, i love that nice. when you can see it in the yeah. lunch box and you can check that out yeah. i have two that like to eat 
completely differently and, and why wouldn't they? Uh, so today when I asked their father who normally makes their lunches for them, what would they like in their in their lunch? And it's like, I'll have that. No, I won't. I'll have that. Oh, no, I gosh. won't. It's like, okay, (laughs) let's get some base ingredients that you both like and I'll add that one into that one and that one. So one likes beetroot, the other one doesn't. One likes tomato, the other one doesn't. Doesn't. So (laughs) I remember when I was a kid, it was like it didn't matter what you liked. It was like you get this and you'll eat it or else you'll go hungry. They've been spoiled, unfortunately. (laughs) So It's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, no, they generally eat very, very well, but just those little things. um, It's beetroot, tomato and peas in our house. Yeah. Certain people don't like those things, but pretty much everything else goes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's pretty good. That's not too bad at all. Two minutes past five here on Big Life Conversation. Um, going to go to another track, but check out our Facebook page, Big Life Conversation, for the interviews for today. Uh, we've spoken with Vincent Alessi from the Linden New Art Gallery, and also we're about to chat with an amazing artist uh, presenting his new work, Alienation. It's Jake Silverstro, and we'll be talking to him after the break. 94.1 FM, 3WBC. This is Big Life Conversation. Classic from Queen and David Bowie. Under pressure. We're under a little bit of pressure here today, Nicole. Not really. <laughs> but, uh, having a little bit of fun. Five, no, seven minutes past five. We have clicked over into our second hour. Uh, our second guest coming up very, very shortly. But before that, we're going to talk about cheese. We had a little chat about cheese the other day, thinking that You know, cheese and dairy does get a bit of a bad rap, but it does have a wonderful set of nutrients in – dairy products do have a wonderful set of nutrients in them. Uh, Some of them that really support our mood as well. And whilst I don't have a lot of dairy because otherwise I would look like a block of round brie. um, (laughs) I love brie. The little bit um, goes a long way and it's fantastic for our calcium. A little bit of a um, reminder – in the background there. Oh, um, yes. Anyway, we, I thought Thank I'd you. share with you from Eating Well magazine the six healthiest cheeses that you should be buying. Ah. If you're thinking about your dairy but wanting to make sure that you're getting the right sort of dairy and making sure that you've got the quality. Um, they've got the uh, a little article that helps you determine the difference between your Gruyere and your Gouda. Um, mm. And they start with Parmesan. And Parmesan, although very high in salt, so not for those with high blood pressure, um, very low in kilojoules and um, uh, a little goes a long way. So that's why they, they like the Parmesan. Um, oh, I love Parmesan. Uh, yes, low in calories, um, but yes, it's got um, sugar, no sugar, um, good protein quality, uh, calcium, phosphorus and vitamin A. And then you've got the fresh mozzarella mm. and fresh mozzarella, um, beautiful on pizzas and baked goods, but also in some salads as well. Very low in kilojoules and sodium and can go in pretty much any Italian dish. Um, and for a couple of grams, um, you get quite a lot of um, calcium, phosphorus, vitamin A again, because our fat-soluble vitamins like fats, uh, they sit nicely in there and vitamin A is good for our immunity as well. Uh, cottage cheese is one we probably hear about if you've been dieting that you can have 24 grams of protein in one cup of cottage cheese, which is perfect to pair with fruit uh, for a filling snack. And um, again, 
to be careful about sodium and sugar that's been added. Uh, so often when they're processed, they add uh, lots of salt in it. So finding something that's mm. a little bit lower salt. Um, good quality protein, calcium, phosphorus, potassium, and vitamin A there as well. Um, and not so much saturated fat. So a new gram of saturated fat. Ricotta cheese. Um, lovely on a sort of a whole grain sourdough with some um, figs and almonds on top. Yes. Or even figs and pistachios and a bit of honey. Um, if you're a sucker for a spreadable cheese, this is a really nice one, the ricotta, to have. Um, you could pair it with jam if you're looking for something sweet. Um, however, um, a, a um, half a cup serving is going to give you um, – quite a nine grams of protein again calcium phosphorus potassium and vitamin a are quite high and the final one that has been recommended is swiss cheese so if you're watching your salt intake this is the cheese for you only 53 milligrams of sodium um, and this is per ounce so it's a u.s document um, and uh, it also has um, eight grams of protein 250 milligrams of calcium uh, again high in phosphorus and vitamin a as well i think the final um, one they also say with swiss cheese is um, goat's cheese which i am a bit of a fan of um, and um, obviously not cow's milk here but um, really wonderful to pair with lots of different herbs crackers um, in a sandwich in salads I love it in salads with um, – I have a Christmas salad with watermelon and mint, oh. um, which is beautiful, yeah. and blackberries. Beautiful and pairing. a bit mm. of um, goat's cheese goes very well. This one, a um, little bit higher in the fat, but only one gram, of unsaturate, um, one gram of unsaturated fat and four grams of saturated fat. A uh, little bit lower in the protein, but 40 milligrams of mag- um, calcium and vitamin A as well. So uh, these are the lighter, more healthier versions. The main thing with cheeses is watching out for the salt and any added sugars or any additives yep. that are with it. So, um, yeah, the six be- best uh, healthiest, uh, parmesan, um, fresh mozzarella, Obviously, homemade is awesome. Cottage cheese, ricotta cheese, and looking at Swiss cheese and some goat's cheese. Awesome. Sounds. Making you hungry. Fantastic. Very hungry. Always hungry for cheese. Love it. Um, 12 minutes past five. We're about to uh, speak to our next guest. But before we do, as we were talking about cheese, Nicole, Mm. um, a little WhatsApp popped up its head. (gasps) Greetings from Berlin. The lovely... Barbara O'Sullivan, our wonderful co-host, is in Berlin at the moment. She's enjoying the show Very from jelly. Berlin, so we're pretty happy to hear that. Yes. She's about to head off to Prague later. Beautiful. Berlin and Prague, both amazing places to visit. How wonderful. Um, and you can hear our show on yeah, the other side the of the globe. So that's really good. And then back to London Wednesday, flying home Friday. So... Uh, She's had a wonderful time. Grace her presence with our presence, her presence really. Yes, um, when she turns, when she comes home. Yeah, exactly. Tells us all about her travels. That sounds wonderful. Um, So great information on cheese there, Uh, Nicole. Is there anywhere people can go to get that information, or is that you can go to the um, Better Well and. 
I will be able to put that on our Facebook page as well. Um, eating well, sorry. Not eating well. well. Eating well. Fantastic. And, uh, you can Google that. It's a online uh, food. Okay. Back with our second guest in just a moment. 12 minutes, 13 minutes past five. Big love conversation. That was interesting in the end there, wasn't it? A uh, little bit of hound dog there by Big Mama Thornton. Loving it, Nicole. It is. We're grooving in the studio. Uh, we're grooving in the studio today. We are indeed. And it is 16 minutes past five. And we welcome to the studio our second guest. We have Jake Silvestro with us, an Australian acrobat and artist known for his explosive and narrative style of acrobatics, using his physicality to deliver sensitive, curious and exciting physical theatre. Jake, welcome to the program and I can't wait for you to explain all that to us. (laughs) (laughs) G'day, how's it going? Really good. Very well. So, tell us about your work. Uh, yeah, um, I've got a new show at the Melbourne Fringe called Alienation. We've got three more shows this week, um, Wednesday, Thursday and Saturday. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a brand new work by uh, myself and another dancer called Roman Huffenin. Um And I think the work kind of on a really sort of functional level is a really interesting meeting point for Roman and I. Roman's kind of... Uh, Roman's got more of a hip-hop contemporary dance background and has over his career started making his way kind of towards circus, doing some work with um, aerial companies like Legs in the Wall and stuff like that. And, and I've actually kind of done the opposite. My practice has started in very much in acrobatics and then moved towards um, dance and, and theatre. And so Roman and I kind of at this really interesting point in our lives right now where we feel like we're, we're both kind of in the middle of mm. this journey but coming at it from opposite ends. And so I think there's, there was this sort of sense of making this work right now felt really right because of that sort of meeting in the middle place. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and we've partnered with um, uh, Adam Duzian, who's a long-time collaborator of mine, who his company, Lingua Franca, makes some really beautiful um, physical theatre work. And so putting all those things into a melting pot and we've created a real fever dream of circus and dance and physical theatre. So it's all told through our bodies and our faces and gestures. Um and we've also partnered with an amazing composer called Liam Budge, um, and he's written an original score for this new show. Um, yeah, and it's kind of set in this um, really stripped-back kind of wasteland, and these two characters um, descend from the from the from the sky into this place, and they're sort of they have like a really strong bond together, but they don't have any sort of understanding or connection with the place they've arrived to, and so what they have to do is trying to work out. Um, how they're going to survive here uh, and if they'll survive. And then, you know, with that, with sort of stories of relationships and, um, you know, how do you um, how do you come to terms with disagreements with your mates and stuff like that. Um, so there's, yeah, it's it's quirky and it's absurd and, the, you know, the, the rhythm's all off in the show. It's, you know, um, yeah, we wanted to do something that suited our physicality but also wanted to kind of um, explore something unusual. Mm, sounds fascinating. It sounds very energetic. How are the shows going to date? Uh, pretty good so far. So we've only we've done three shows last week. Great. Um, yeah, we're in a little 80-seater at Nyka in Pran. Yes. I'm um, really happy to be there. They're one of the venues that's supporting um, the development of this new work. Uh, and then, yeah, so three more shows this week. Um, and really keen to get an audience in there to see the, the, the you know, the 
fine acrobatics weirdness that we're making. Yeah, sounds wonderful. Sounds um, high energy anyway, it sounds like. It does yeah, sound amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we're sweating. We're I bet you are. What a workout. That's what I was thinking. After, the, after three shows, how, how are you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually yeah, I'm actually all right. I mean, you know, it's like this is years of practice to get here. Of so, course, uh, yeah, of I'm, course. I'm actually very happy with how it's gone. Yeah, great. Yes, you'll be at peak fitness, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, kind of have to be. Yeah. How long are the shows, Jake? Uh, 50 minutes. 50 minutes. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned before at NICA, and that, that stands for the National Institute of Circus Arts, doesn't it? Is that sure something is. like that? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Oh, I was reading something about it the other day. It is amazing that we have this NICA. Um, at the moment, which has been a long time coming, I hear, but it's it's it sounds like a fantastic place for people, artists, to go and hone their skills and uh, find out what their strengths are, what they're good at, and what they love. So it's great that we've got that. And I have not actually been there in terms of you said it's a lovely little eight eighty seater. Yeah, so they're running two venues there this yeah. year. So we've got the we're in the movement studio, which is the smaller of the two spaces, yeah. and there's like a kind of two fifty seater next door, which is the main um, performance space. Okay, so now tickets for the show while we're talking about it. Um, th- so the venue is the National Circus Centre. It's at 39 to 59 Green Street, Paran. Um, and you can get tickets at uh, nica.com.au. And we'll yeah, put that the on our... Melbourne Fringe website as well. Oh, oh, or the yeah, Melbourne Fringe website as well, absolutely. Yeah. We'll put that on our Facebook page as well. It, it does sound amazing and, and so unique as you're describing it, Jake. And I, what really interests me too is um, when, as you said, you started out as, oh, I guess, the as an acrobat and artist known for, you know, your explosive and your own unique narrative style of acrobats. Acrobatics, I should say, but um, then you, you branch into all these other things. So, how does how does that work in terms of people starting out with a particular area or category that they're really interested in, or you know, and then you you find yourself branching out into other things? Is it is it all sort of trial and error, and you just figure out after a while all the different ways you can use your talents? Um, yeah, I think a little bit. Well, I guess it's kind of interesting. Like, I I actually have a formal training in fine art and so that's kind of where my art practice started was very much on the page Mm. and then um you know have always been a very active person and was always interested in you know like you know how to trampoline as a kid stuff like that um but then was really interested in life performance making and just i think due to kind of you know geographical luck really i was living near other people that were interested in circus and decided Mm. that was an interesting thing i wanted to explore as an art form and work out what I could do, like, how I could use that form to sort of tell the stories I was interested in telling. So I think for me, it actually really starts with the narrative um, interest first, and then the art form comes in later, and I think I've been lucky to sort of work with other people and utilize their skill sets on certain projects or be in other people's stories that kind of resonate with me personally, and from that, you pick up additional skill sets. Like, I really, I've been lucky to have learned a lot of my skills on, on the job, Um, you know, like then being physically capable to pick up new skills along the way has meant that, um, I've gotten lots of work with other, you know, other companies and other shows and, um, yeah, I just, and it depends, you know, like in this kind of physical theater space, it's really about like what, what, what can performers do with their bodies? And I think acrobats Mm -hmm. as a really specific discipline from circus, like have this ability to sort of kind of supercharge their acting because they are expected to be so in tune and 
so fit with their bodies, you know, like there's a different kind of physical demand being an acrobat, but then if you're able to harness that and use that to deliver any sort of physical acting that you might do, it can be really, um, can be quite rich. Um, I think dancers are kind of in a very similar spot, you know, in contemporary dance these days. It's a similar idea. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just about trying to work out what is the, what is the art form, what's the, what is the outcome? And for me, the outcome is not necessarily the art form, but it's actually the narrative that we're trying to tell. That's and right. So do whatever we can yeah. to get that across. Absolutely. No, that sounds fantastic. And, and from what I've read, that, and that may be about that narrative, uh, I've read that you love to take audiences away from their normal sort of reality, I guess, and find a new perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of want to, mm. you know, I think... Um, Work that's always resonated with me is work that can offer you something new. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, I really think if we're gonna, if if, if I'm going to be privileged with an audience's attention, if they are going to sort of, you know, get on board and and, I'm, and they're going to come and sit down for an hour, I really hope that what I'm offering them is something that they can take away from that moment. It's not just that hour that they're sitting there watching the show. It actually is something longer lasting. Then I think that's kind of like the bigger, that's a bigger impact. You know, when we're talking about art, I think generally we always talk about all these kind of markers of what are the outcomes of art and I think that's a really important one that often kind of gets overlooked but it's one that's really important to me that the work is um, meaningful and significant beyond just the the sort of the experience between 7.45 and 8.45 in yeah. the theatre. You have that longer term thinking, it's it's left you thought provoked or mind expanded yeah. which is very typical of Fringe anyway. It's, it's great to have, you know, your thoughts sort of poked and provoked and if you go away and you're still sort of Thinking about it a little while, I think, you know, that's a really nice space to be and I always think that something's had an impact in that way. Um, that's definitely worthwhile. Um, I was also thinking about what a what a leap from fine art mm. to the acrobatics. So obviously you were in a fit place um, whilst you were doing your fine art as well because I know that that's not so much physically demanding, depending on the fine art, I guess, of course. Um, can you tell us a little bit of what, you know, do you still dabble in that space at all? Uh, not as much as I'd like. I think um, having been kind of a four higher acrobat for the last sort of ten years means that I haven't found that, Busy. you know, having a studio <laughs> is really hard when yes. you're on the road. Yes. Um, but no, I still, like, I still draw quite a lot. Drawing is a really major part of my practice. It's where a lot of my ideas kind of begin is in a sort of sketchbook and then they expand from there. Um, it's also really good for me for problem solving. But, yeah, you know, a little bit of printmaking when I can get the time to get in the studio, um, but not as often as I'd like to Yeah, sure. and it's also a storytelling forum anyway, uh, just a different kind, a uh, very different kind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. So you can bring the two together. And um, yep. is there any plans to take the show further? Oh, sorry, Siri's just joined in oh, the conversation. Oh, yeah, I mean, look- <laughs> That's all right. We really hope so. Um, you know, it's it's still – this is still the first season, so – um, we're hoping to get some presenters along and maybe some other venues and get them to come check out what we're doing. And if they're interested, then yes, absolutely. We would really love to. We've put a lot of effort into getting the show up here for this first little run. I would love for it to have a life beyond uh, just the Melbourne Fringe. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, age groups? Uh, I mean, look, it's, it's um, I wouldn't say it's for kids. No. Okay. Um, but it's not, it's not any, it's not also not, um, I wouldn't say it's, uh, you know, PG rated or anything. It's like totally, and I think, um, I, I suspect that any kids that might come might just have a, a few questions about what is it about. maybe teens upwards or something like that. Totally valid question. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Twelve upwards. <laughs> yeah, and or I mean, I don't like know it. if the parents will know either, but that's fine. So yeah. They can handle that themselves. Well, um, that's yeah, a good no, look, yeah. I would, I would, I would, We've been sort of saying twelve and up is, is yeah. the 
is kind of what we're saying, because at least they can sort of then interpret some of what's happening on stage, because I guess with physical theatre, there's quite a lot of um, sort of social interpreting that has to happen. Yeah, um, that's right. Yes. So, but sort of on but, uh, different levels yeah. in a way, I guess, because you've got the, well, I'm reading about the brilliant lights, the powerful music, backflips, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So having that, that bandwidth to take all of that in, I guess, and being mindful yeah. of that, depending on your yeah. your kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a little bit different all. to sort of the traditional sort of circus in oh, that it's not sure. just all kind of claps and cheers. Yes, yes. Down the contemporary end of things. Yes, Very interesting. Sure. Now, I have to ask, injuries or how does that go? Because it sounds very physical. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes injuries happen. Mm. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But keeping strong and fit is most of the time, I guess, is, is the key. Have you had any doozies over the over your history of learning different moves? Uh, yeah. Well, I've, you know, I have my fair share, but I guess not any different to, like, you know, anybody playing a footy game or something. Yeah. Um, I, just, I, I always think that's kind of funny. People will always ask that question about this stuff, and it's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, at least I'm not running head first at someone that I no. don't know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, so true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I could agree more. It just sounds so physical, though, that I, I just really admire that level of fitness. And it's, it's very inspiring. It is incredible. Uh, absolutely amazing. So um, the, you've still got how many shows to go? Jay? Three shows. Three to Wednesday, go. Thursday and Saturday. Yeah, yeah, okay, brilliant. So so not much time to get along to see it. Please check out Big Life Conversations Facebook page. We have all the details on there. And um, we wish you all the best with the show. It sounds absolutely amazing. And all Thanks the so best much. of luck to you and to your colleagues. Thanks for joining yes, us. Yes. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Okay. Yeah. All the best. Thanks. So Thanks. Much. Bye. Bye. Back with you, Big Life Conversation, coming up to 25 minutes to 6, can you believe it, Nicole, not long for us to be very, here. Very, very quick. Um, but, big show so far, lots to talk about, two great guests, all the information is on Big Life Conversation Facebook page, if you would like to go there, we're busily getting that info up as we speak, some of it. It's like Google, um, isn't it? It is Facebook like Google, page. we're updating in real time here, <laughs> whoa, it's stressful, uh, just heard from uh, Keyless with Milkshake, interesting little song. Um, now, a little bit of news that I have been checking out, Nicole, just a couple of snippets, yes. we were talking about passports before and mm. how scary it is if you sort of lose your passport mm. temporarily, um, but apparently... Paper passports could finally be on their way out. A mere thing of the past. Well, I like apparently. the idea of that, if I don't have to remember that. It would be good. Um, but when you think about it, when I was reading it, it talks about all the information, obviously, about who you are, mm. when and where Digital. you were born, what mm. you look like. Right. What you look like, those photos are so bad. Um, and <laughs> all the stamps. What you don't look like. Yeah, it's what you don't look like. like that is not me. Um, <laughs> All the stamps you get on your passport for the travels, I really like that part. But uh, it is Not perhaps going to be a thing of the past and replaced by an app or stored in the digital wallet of your smartphone. Um, Makes sense. But, yeah. uh, yes, how that information is then used. Well, this is accessed, it. It's like everything, hacked. all our information, isn't it? It so probably can be now anyway. It probably can it's be. Just, we've got a paper version of that as well. But, Makes us uh, feel a more... harder to, I wonder if it's harder to duplicate or 
easier to duplicate something mm. that is electronic. So I don't know, mm. but I, I'm not surprised that it's sort of on its way. But we'll see how that turns out. Um, obviously, the big payoff being quicker processing at the immigration desk and um, it's not too bad at the moment even with the new passports where you do a fair bit of the self-serve first before you get to the immigration officer and you've covered quite a few steps beforehand so that's that's sped things up for us Um, but uh, watch that watch for that one that'll be Coming to a passport near you yes, soon. Yes, you might just be able to tap your wrist on something well, in the future, or, or just or walk the, through. Walk through because you've got the microchip. Got chip yeah, already implanted already in the neck uh, or the wrist or wherever. That's it. <laughs> that's it. We're all over it. Now, there's something else that I was reading today that I really did not like, and I wasn't aware of this, that there is a controversial weed killer every Melbourne council is using. Yes, regularly. I'm I didn't aware. know this. You were aware. And sometimes they're not using their protective gear or telling <sighs> anyone else about their protective gear. Most of the time there's some signs, but they do spray a lot in around the uh, park near my area and uh, And they're doing it for blackberries and snakes but we also have a nice little river that runs through it which is probably getting all the runoff as well um, but um, I don't like it. I like to know when those days are so I can avoid at all costs. It's it's really not good. Now, um, apparently every Melbourne council is using the weed killer that is a World Health Organisation agency says is probably causing cancer. DDT. Oh, Yes, and despite residents and council workers, several people have been asking for it to be banned. There's a landmark class action that's happened, a lawsuit playing out in the federal court in Melbourne involving 800 Australians who claim their diagnosis of non-Hodgkin lymphoma is linked to... It's it's using a... It's a glyphosate-based weed killer called Roundup. Yeah. Good old Roundup. So um, that's, that's pretty disturbing. It's... Um, it has been banned, uh, banned, I should say, in many US. parts of the world. Yep. Yes, in the US, yep. in in France, Netherlands, um, and Belgium. So, um, hopefully, it will be here soon. But I, I, I I'm at a loss as to know why. Well, there has been, it's been re-established. Yeah, re-established. So, yeah. Um, I'm not sure why. And um, the disturbing part about it too is that people aren't informed about this like the, you wouldn't think that it would be great if the councils were up front and to actually a, let us know and what we call glyphosate is um what's called a non-selective weed killer yeah, so it just right. kills everything yes um yep. so not even just weeds mm. um and yes roundup is its uh local name but um yes it has been um Noted by the World Health Organization as probably carcinogenic. Yep. Um, the US EPA has said that there's more evidence required, uh, but it is. Um, it's been yeah. It's been known for its uh, health issues for some time. So um, uh, not promoted. I mean, the the company Bayer who promotes Roundup is saying that it's environmentally safe. Um, yes, not of quite course. Sure they do. <laughs> about that, of course. So just be careful when your council is spraying, or ring and ask them when they are spraying, and please steer clear. Not even just steer clear, as in wide berth if you're walking around it. Just stay away completely. 
Um, And, you know, it's – and also we have dogs and animals running leash-free at these parks, um, drinking the water in the rivers, as dogs do. Um, You wonder why dogs get sick then. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely been linked to leukaemia, non-Hodgkin lymphoma, Parkinson's disease, autism, to name a few. That's right. Um, I I am recalling also an investigative report on Four Corners, I think probably earlier this year about this um, lawsuit in the it was in the US the one that they were reporting on at the time and and about Roundup and, and so it was all about this so it has had some publicity um, might be a good idea to check out your can- with your council what they're using exactly mm. it is good to check that out get more information just don't take our word for it no um, no, no, your no council's definitely doing something different but uh, yeah yeah not so good. Not so good. Um, on to something completely different. Have you ever been thinking lately about school formals, Nicole? Uh, I haven't been thinking about no. school formals lately, but I probably have someone who will be going to one Okay. In a year I thought or you two. might. Yes. Yeah, I thought you might. Well, it has changed significantly, certainly from our day, um, mm-hmm. where it was a little bit different and perhaps a lot cheaper. Um, <laughs> yes. I was just uh, reading like a almost a diary of someone um, – the other day in a publication about the new world of school formals. Oh. So I feel so sorry Prepare for parents me. out Prepare there. Me. Oh, let me tell you, some students are dropping more than $1,000 for the nights, which what? have blown out to four and five staged events. So there's, no, you just don't, oh, you have, yeah, you have pre and then the after party and the, the, yeah, the formal and the informal, formal parties, you know, everything. Wow. Um, Obviously, they're noting as well a, a rise in um, alcohol permission waivers for house parties. Mm. Experts are now warning parents mm. they can still be held responsible if something goes wrong. So mm-hmm. that's just a bit of side information mm-hmm. on the old formal thing. And, of course, you can be held responsible, and that's a bit scary for parents. Um, then, So this little diary entry that I was reading by someone who was, you know, de-identified was saying that her private school classmates and herself getting ready for uh, at someone's house where there were millions of photos are taken before the students are whisked off in a limo, of course, of course. to the main event. <laughs> Often see teenagers in limos. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um Very pricey. I'll tell you the price of that in a minute. But after the formal, she said there was a costume change. So you've got to, you can't go, you can't go in the same old thing. You've got to change uh, at another house before students went to a ticketed after party at another venue. So that's a ticketed party you go to. That wasn't organised by the school. And then there's lots and lots of other things that, that just goes on and on and on. Now, Let's look at costs. The limo costs between four and five hundred. No, four and six fifty. Four hundred oh, to six fifty. Okay. The corsages, buttonholes between fifty five and two hundred dollars. Makeup and hair, of course, about oh, three hundred. Of course, yes, we'll be doing that at home. Dresses at least three hundred dollars upwards. Tickets to these events, a hundred dollars to two hundred and fifty dollars, depending on what it is. The after party, part time jobs. Yeah, well, they'd be working (laughs) a long time to to actually pay for all this. But I wonder who's paying. Yeah, I wonder too. Um, The after party sometimes they're free, or they can cost up to fifty dollars. So that's quite that's probably on the lower end Mm. of all of this. The after party dress because you can't wear the same dress from the forfeiture. That's about obviously about three hundred dollars. You've got to get your nails done. Forty to sixty dollars around about, and of course, don't forget the fake tan. 
starting from $45. So you don't want to add all that up. Yeah, you do might not. Be going to the Oscars or mm, the league. You might as well. Like it sounds yes. like that, doesn't it? Wow. So um, there may be parents out there that can really identify with this and are cringing about it. Well, it's I have like, a son, oh. so I'm assuming that the one suit will go across all of the. For the guys. <laughs> those wearing suits, they, and, I think they're pretty uh, lucky. And mum's pretty good at dropping off and picking up. Uh, so. Absolutely. <laughs> but absolutely fascinating. And it is coming up to formal. It is, season, there of course. Is, uh, school is finishing very, it very is. soon it's for exams. Yes, it's exactly. Up to that exam time for all the year 11s and 12s. Yeah, so good luck with that, guys. Mm. Um, obviously, keeping the economy going at <laughs> formal season. So, lots of purchasing. <laughs> and, um, Not happening there. Oh, dear me. It, it's, it's big. Um, it is almost 15 minutes to six. Big live conversation, Nicole and Jacinta with you for another 15 minutes. Uh, Going to go to another track. This is called Save Me by Amy Mann. Coming up to 10 minutes to six here on 3WBC, Big Life Conversation, Nicole and Jacinta with you. We love Mondays. We do. Because it's our favourite day it to be is here, isn't it? It's our favourite day to be here. It is so indeed. We do like Mondays. And it's a good day at 3WBC as well. We have the wonderful team from Your Planet Needs You coming up after our show, after the six o'clock news. But before then, Nicole, we have a few very important things to report. A little few tidbits. few little tidbits, that's it. Well, let's start with this one. I read this today. This is something I've been observing for a long time because working in the corporate world, I hear a lot about this particular aspect of work, and that mm-hmm. is not going back to the office, Ooh, working from home and scandalous. loving it, everybody. Yes. Do you know it's been about more than two years, according to this report, of, of trying to coax workers back into offices and apparently bosses are losing their patience. Mm. They're a little bit over it. Mm. The days of enticing employees with, and you'll remember this, I remember reading about it, free food, laundry services, yoga classes and Goodness knows what else. A largely over. They're yes. like, right, we're no, done never, with that. I never saw that. Yeah, yeah. I never saw it. I heard about it. <laughs> um, we are done with that. So now it's people are being forced to decide whether they're willing to give up the flexibility they've become used to. This is really a tough one. Even the tech companies that were very much the champions of remote work are changing their tune. In particular, Zoom, would you believe it? I don't know. I'm wondering what their reasoning is. Like, why are they over it? What what is it that they're over? Well, well, according to Zoom, um, they want people to start coming in at least twice a week. Okay. Uh, The Facebook parent company Meta has revised its return to office policy, telling employees they could actually face job termination if they don't come in. Wow. Very interesting. Um, This is global stuff, right? At Amazon... Remote workers have to decide whether to move or give up their jobs with some facing a significantly higher cost of living. So some, and and it has been reported that some of the CEOs have been saying um, that if you can't come in, uh, commit to coming into the office three days a week, it's probably not going to work out for you. So this is a trend changing very much so. Now, why, as you ask, it's not full time. It's it's a few days a week. Yeah, that's right. So it's apparently being 
reported that in some cases um, productivity has actually declined because we were all about productivity mm. either increasing at home, which is during the pandemic, this is apparently what the data found, or at least staying the same. So, um, But there are certainly, and I've heard about this a lot, fewer opportunities for spontaneous collaboration, mentorship, which is a really big one. I, I do a lot of work around that in, in coaching, mm. and there is a severe lack of mentorship that has been impacted by this. Um and and that can can very much impact relationships, um, the collaboration, people, problem solving together, all those sorts of things. So now apparently the employers ha- are having all the power, employees not so much. So people may be eventually getting an ultimatum, come in to the office. From what I've read here, the maximum some employers are asking is three days a week. Yeah, we've got a 60% mm. at my well, workplace. Yeah. So um, however that works for you, depending on how many days you do and um, certain requirements to be there, obviously we have students. So we yes, need, so th- th- and we that need to be there for, definitely. for the students. Yes, um, of course. But yes, it is interesting because we've, we've sort of allowed this flexibility and I've got someone at home who's been at home for three years um, mm. who goes in for an occasional meeting yeah. once a month, maybe even mm. once a quarter, uh, but has been quite cosy at home. I've quite enjoyed his absence from from the household. So there might be other people that might benefit from this, i.e. the other people that live in the same space and perhaps even work in the same space (laughs) as well. Um, But, yes, allowing the flexibility around some of that time, I think, is – I think there's a happy medium around that and there's some pros and cons. Yeah, I think so too because I – full-time everybody come back. Oh, I can't imagine people no, doing that. I don't think but, anyone um, would get away with that either. Yeah, but but finding some sort of middle middle of the road sort of meet halfway uh, space, and, and of course it's all about this. You know what they're citing now. There's more energy, more collaboration, and connection happening, um, particularly when people have been working together for at least three days a week. You do get that momentum as well, and and I really get that. I understand that, and I think that is important. But but I think we're way past the idea, and the pandemic sped all of that up for us. Yes, the idea of having to be in the office every day. Yes, so it's got to be. We've overcome that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, new ways um, of working. Watch that space. See what happens. Yes, mm. I was going to say new ways of working. I've heard yeah. that term. Several times. Several times, yeah. Um, I'm going to change tact again and go back to the um, nutritional science. Um, Coming up this weekend is Food for Thought. We're on every second and fourth Saturday of the month between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. Nice early start. Um, So, yes, it is a nice bright and early start. Mm. But, you know, if you don't listen, you can check out my Instagram page, 3WBC underscore Food for Thought. Uh, And you can listen to the recorded show afterwards if you miss it. But we do a nutrition tip of the week. And today I thought I would start this show off with or end this show off with one. Um, Yes, you'll get your recipes on the Facebook page today. And we'll look at some of those um, try for five, lots of veggie recipes um, for you. But this is one of our very important amino acids that's good for mood. So we have essential amino acids and non-essential amino acids. And they are the building blocks of protein. Um, And so I'm going to talk about tryptophan, which is used to help us sleep. Um, It helps increase our brain 
brain's serotonin, a calming neurotransmitter when present in moderate levels, and uh, melatonin, which is a drowsy-inducing hormone secreted by the pineal gland in response to darkness or low light levels. That's why shift workers have trouble with sleep because they don't have that melatonin because of no darkness. Mm. Um, may a shift, sorry, may assist in treating depression, mood disorders, migraines, obesity, fibromyalgia. Um, low intake can lead to salt cravings, uh, lower pain threshold, shortness of breath, choking sensations, sleep disorders appetite disorders, anorexia, bulimia, and insatiable hunger and anxiety. So we want more tryptophan. How do you get it? So soy and whey protein actually has a gram of tryptophan in it. Quinoa has 0.5 grams. Flax seeds are um, 0.3 grams. Lentils, turkey, peanuts, and chicken and almonds come up the highest in the food sources Ooh. of tryptophan. There are other sources. Um, some of our dairy that we were talking about earlier, asparagus that we were talking about earlier, and beans are also quite high, as is some of our fish, beetroot, chocolate, um, oats as well. But the highest sources come from soy and whey protein, quinoa, flax, lentils, turkey, and peanuts. Wow. So there you go. Getting a good variety of food can help lift your mood. Very, very good. And it is so important because um, the mood lifters and also just getting a decent night's sleep, mm. it helps. It does help it indeed. It helps indeed. And yep. so there's certain foods that are, are mood inducing and, and, and also helpful, but also is having darkness when you sleep. Absolutely um, very or important. Or getting somewhere where you can close the light yes. off, as is light's really great for waking you too. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be back to say goodbye in a minute. We will indeed. We will getting very very close to time up oh absolutely um now we're going to stay here to say goodbye to be honest um yes indeed i think um that's okay thanks. we will have our next show coming up very soon mm. um and just for those people that um uh, wanted to tap in to the information on today's show. We've been touting our Facebook page, but we'd also love to hear from you. Any questions, any information, any um, feedback that you have on the show, we would love to hear about that on our Facebook page, uh, Big Life Conversation. And as I mentioned, don't forget to tune in to Food for Thought. If you like what you're hearing today on Big Life Conversation, um, every second and fourth Saturday we do get the Food for Thought program, which is always around nutrition, nutrition tips. We do a bit of science news and we also do a special segment for the week ahead as well. Um, looking at having a few guest speakers coming up very soon for you as well. So all very good for very, very our, good. Um, our shows ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about probiotics this week because ah. there's wonderful sets of new strains of probiotics all for different health conditions that we've found out. Everything from some to look after acne, some for eczema, some for respiratory infections, let's say. Um, also some for um, helping us absorb certain nutrients such as iron. And some for also um, uh, osteoporosis help and support as well for bone health. So we're starting to find out so much more about our wonderful microbes that exist in our gut um, that can be very, very helpful for our, um, 
our immunity. So that's what we'll be chatting about this week on Food for Thought. That sounds absolutely wonderful. We look forward to that. And we'll have two mystery guests next week as well. And we think Barbara will be. Barbara, our travel guru. Travel guru will be here. So she'll be definitely doing the travel segment, uh, which we cannot wait for. So um, I've just been looking for some jokes. <laughs> Strangely <laughs> enough, the sites I've gone into, um, really, they're sort of not appropriate to no, share. it does happen, does happen. Um, do you have a what gets up your nose before um, we finish I, I do. People who uh, I cannot say, it is six o'clock, we have to go to the news. Oh, See we'll you next week. Next week. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye.